I want to get started with you. I want to honor my pastor today in two different ways. You see, PK wrote a book recently, and it's called Think River, Not Pie. Maybe you've heard us talk about it every week since August. It's been awesome. But we're proud of our pastor, and I think this is the first book of many. It really started out of him posting life lessons that he had learned over the years of his life. I encourage you, if you haven't already, jump into a small group, talk about some of these things. Maybe you're like me. I find myself all the time quoting Pastor Kirk. Sometimes I think it's me that came up with it. I think, oh, man, I'm smart. No, that was PK. I knew better. I knew better. But today I want to honor him by preaching from his ideas. And I've got a few of them in my sermon, but I want to really take a continuation of the thought that he started last week, which is, if you change your mind, you can change your life. Now, I believe if pastor were to speak a second week about this, he'd have his own revelations and scriptures and insights. But I'm going to take you through pecans, interpretation through the power of the Holy Spirit on, on what some of this means in me, to me, and, and hopefully for you. Now, I'm grateful for my pastor's 66 life lessons. I don't have that many. I might have 35 dumb ones. I don't know. But what I intend on doing today is I have a lot of energy about this. I have a lot of excitement. I'm gonna dive in. We're gonna have a lot of scripture. It may take me a couple minutes to get there, but just stick with me. Hold on tight, because I want you to hear something so clear right now. You can do hard things. I didn't hear that again. Hear that again. You can do hard things. Things. Will you say that with me? You can do hard things. Turn to a neighbor. I know this is your favorite part of service, but turn to a neighbor and tell them, you can do hard things. Now, some of y'all didn't do that because it's a hard thing, but I'm here to tell you that you can do hard things. Perhaps nobody's ever told you that, or perhaps they did and you didn't listen to them. Or maybe they tried, and for whatever reason or angle that they were coming from, you didn't trust their intention. Or maybe you're somebody today who, when you look in the mirror, it's hard to confront everything. Nobody knows you better than you. Nobody looks at all the blemishes and flaws like you do. And it's hard for you to stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself and believe that you can do hard things. But I'm here to tell you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm here to remind you that you indeed can do hard things this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. But there's a catch to all this. Maybe we can convince ourselves that we can do hard things, but a problem in our culture today is that we've somehow convinced ourselves that nothing should ever be hard. And who could blame us? I mean, we can order food in just a minute, right? We can be in the same room and not be really eating together because I could have my Uber Eats and you could have your DoorDash. I could be streaming on my device and you could be watching something on your tablet. I've got my AirPods. You've got your Beats by Dre. It's like, I'm saying all these things. Michael Kramer's like, what is he talking? What are those things? No. This morning, it's frigid. It's cold. Some of you, many of you can start your car without even being outside. 
You can turn on something for your seat. So before your little booty even hits that seat, it's warm and cozy. You didn't think that you'd get a booty before you got a Bible verse, did you? But you did today. You did. Now, some of y'all can't relate to that yet, and that's okay. I, I can't really relate to it either. My first car was a 93 Buick Century. My booty was not warm, but it was comfortable because I had plush burgundy seats, and it was awesome. And I remember when I was able to upgrade that car just a little, I had a cassette player, and finally I took it to Best Buy and was able to get a CD player. Do you, do you know what that is, a CD Okay, I got a CD player. Now, I was just, I thought I was high rolling. I thought I was the stuff. <laughs> Turns out, the first CD I put into it got stuck. <laughs> it stayed in there. It would never eject. Now, it played, and it played all the time, Chad. It played all the time. But I will tell you, <laughs> this is what's funny about it. I was a music major in college for a period of time. So that CD was George Frederick Handel's Gloria. Now that was a banger in the Renaissance, but that wasn't so cool to drive around in college. I want to take a girl on a date. She gets in, it's like, Gloria, Gloria. I'm like, come on, well, come on in. It's Latin. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to, uh, you know, serenade our evening. But I digress, you know, we've got a lot of things in our lives and they're blessings but I have found it pretty common that most of the things we try to do in our life is avoid hard. I think just as big a problem as thinking things should never be hard is constantly waiting for them to get easier. And in turn, we kind of quit altogether. You know, I think we've been deceived a little bit. We've cushioned ourselves. We've wrapped ourselves in bubble against anything hard. What I mean by that is we've got love languages. And I think the intention of that's really good. But I think if we're not careful, well, they don't speak to me how I want to. I'm a gifts person. Didn't they know that? They don't love me. We have Enneagram types, which I don't really like the Enneagram, but it's an easy example. I saw something where a staff team was putting their Enneagram numbers on their doors so that you would know how to speak to them when you walked in. We can't even talk to each other anymore. If I don't know exactly how I need to confront with you to make sure that everything's okay and never gets hard. We are in this place oftentimes where I want you to conform like me. I want you to vote like me. I want you to like the things I like on Facebook. I want you to talk like me. I want you to believe every single thing about everything that I believe in. And if you don't, I'm going to close my life off to anything, everything, and everyone that could ever be hard. You see, we often wait for easier instead of handling hard better. Amen. You see, if I could just get through this next class, the next semester would be so much easier. If I could just get a different job where they appreciated me better with my personality type. If I could just find a spouse or get a different one. If I could find a church or get a different one or a different friend group, or a different counselor. You know, I like that counselor, but they're giving me too much advice. Won't they just shut up and listen? Maybe if I can finally start a family, it would be easier. Or maybe if I could leave my family, it would be easier. 
we spend so much time thinking about this magical place called easier that we forget to live in the right now. And right now is often hard. One of my favorite shows is The Office, and one of my favorite lines comes toward the end of the series. And sorry, it's not a spoiler. It's like 15 years old now. So, But at the end of the series, Andy says, I wish somebody would have told me, Andy, I wish somebody would have told me that I was in the good old days while I was there. You see, I think life happens to us while we're planning for things to get easier. So instead of waiting for that, let's try to handle hard better. Amen. I want to give you your first scripture of the day. This is from Proverbs 9, 6, and it says this. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. You see, I think that we seek the simple. I think that we expect easy. And I think that we project this onto our really amazing God. Because I think that God will oftentimes call us to very hard things, but somehow along the way, we have convinced ourselves it should be easy. God called me to work with kids. Well, I might as well just start and do that this weekend. It's going to be great. And the first one that screams and runs down the hallway and I lose track of them, I find out pretty quickly it's not easy. Well, God called me to be a worship leader. But when that means I need to live with integrity and I need to work on my art and I need to bring stuff before the Lord and I need to live as an example and a light to other people, well, that's not easy. I think sometimes God gives us dreams and God gives us things and we automatically expect them to be easy because we cling on to great promises. There are a lot of great promises in the Bible. Well, if I tithe more, and if I serve more, and if I love more, and if I forgive more, these things are going to happen, and heaven's going to be opened up over my life. I believe those with 100% certainty, but I'm also here to tell you there are difficult promises too. Jesus, out of his own mouth, gives us a very difficult promise. In the book of John, verse 16 and 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Well, let's just stop right there. Great. Thank you, Jesus. I have peace in you. It's going to be easy. But Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation. In the world you, not just Susan, not just Michaela, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Are we grateful for that this morning? Jesus did the Oreo effect, right? Jesus got the nice little chocolatey top and chocolatey bottom that says like, I'm going to give you peace and I've overcome. But that juicy stuff in the middle that we really came for is tribulation. Now, I grew up reading the Left Behind books. Maybe I shouldn't have. I was scared to death. But I was always looking for the Antichrist. My teacher, is he the Antichrist? No. Um, but there's a, there's a group in there, you know, they go through tribulation. They call themselves the tribulation force, right? And sometimes we paint tribulation as a, an event or as a, a, as a bad thing. But tribulation, the actual definition is it's a cause of great trouble and suffering. So Jesus literally looked at his friends at you, and said, in this world, you will have great suffering. 
You didn't think that you'd hear that in church today, did you? We don't often, do we? We don't hear those things. See, I love church, and I'm never going to slam her. She's the bride of Christ. But there are some times in modern church, if we're not careful, we get a bunch of really great Christian TED Talks, and we come in with atmosphere that's amazing. We don't have to lift a finger. We don't have to give. We just come, and it's, and it's warm and fuzzy and great. We hear a motivational thing about how I'm going to be so much better off, and we leave. And the first time that we hit subwoofers, tribulation, it rocks us. Because that went against what I heard. That went against what I thought. Like, why? Why is that happening to me? Don't they know me? I'm a good, I'm a good person. Some of you all will ask me this. And you'll ask other pastors and other people in your world this. But you'll say, Pastor Justin, I just don't understand how a loving God does this. I just don't understand how a loving God could make me go through this. Well, I will tell you this, that I don't have all the answers, but I do know a place where I can look to find them. Now, I, amen, amen. I don't say this flippantly. You'll learn this about me. I don't really care if you amen or clap because I know this is good. Like, I know it from the bottom of my heart. And if it ain't ministering to you, I, it's ministered to me. I got saved three times when I was prepared. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, I want you to clap and I want you to be excited, but I don't really care. And I will tell you, I don't say that flippantly, that I can go to this for answers. I say that because I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You see, when we had Jesus, he was perfect. The word became flesh. But when he ascended into heaven, this is still, we got the Holy Spirit and we got this. And if I believe what this is, it's just the infallible, God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired word of God that I may not understand every trial and tribulation I go through, but I do have a source to go to to turn when I'm in trouble and in danger. You see, I want to tell you something today that, that may be obvious, but this isn't heaven. This is the world, and in this world, you will have great suffering. You see, the world is a broken place. Everything in it is broken by sin. The weather is broken by sin. So when there's a storm somewhere, and I don't understand why things got destroyed, well, I live in a broken world. I don't live in heaven. When the economy goes up and down, and I lose money, and I gain money, and I lose money, and I gain money, I live in a broken world. When my body gets sick, and I don't understand it, I, I, my body is in a broken world right now. I don't have a heavenly body yet. My relationships, they're hard. Even people that I love more than anything in the world, they're still hard and difficult because we live in a fallen world. Jesus says, expect tribulation. So why should we be surprised? I want to tell you, Dave, count on pain. But while pain is inevitable, your misery is optional. Amen? Amen? Pain is inevitable. And I don't know every bit of pain you've ever went through, and you don't know every bit of pain I've ever went through, but it's universal. And we all go through it. But how you handle pain, how you handle hard better, how you do hard things, it not just says a lot about you, but it says so much about the God you claim to believe in. See, God, 
I, I saw this in scripture the other day. We don't weep and mourn. We do weep and mourn when things are bad, but our joy comes in the morning. And we definitely never weep and mourn like those who do that don't have hope. We have hope. Amen. I believe today that God doesn't want you to waste your hurt and your pain. Now, how do I know that? Is because when I am weak, he is strong. We oftentimes think that it's our strengths that make us so alluring. The cars we drive, the houses we live in, the clothing we wear, the jobs that we have. But it's actually really in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite of that. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, strength can oftentimes just create jealousy. Like what if I stood up here and, and all I said was, well, do you remember how well I sung that song or all the places I've went or the things I've accomplished? You'd say, well, good, good for you. <laughs> Doesn't really help me today. But if I stand before you today and I open up even just a little bit about where I come from from my past, the years of separation I had from God, the struggles I had with addictive tendencies and behaviors, where I would be if God hadn't saved my life, where I would be if God hadn't brought me to the Rock Church. Amen. You know, people will often say, and they mean well, and I appreciate this when they say it, but people will often say, oh, Pastor Justin, we're just so blessed to have you. And I'm like, thank you. But let me really quick redirect that because I'm the blessed one. I am so grateful. I didn't come into this building as a hired gun. I didn't come in looking for a gig. I came in with my wife looking for friends, looking to get planted, looking for a place just to come to church. I wasn't a tither. I wasn't this super strong, amazing believer. I was just a dude coming in. I'm grateful that my first responsibility wasn't to sing the best song or to preach a word. My first responsibility was to pass out candy in the lobby after Easter service. But God saw so fit that now I'm planning the Easter services. So can we give glory to God this morning? Not because, not because of this. This has, has actually caused a lot of hurt. There's been hurt in me. There's hurt I've done to other people. There's been a lot of hurt and junk. But God can, can sift through all that and use you for something greater than you think that you deserve. See, if God can plant me, if God can grow me, if God can promote me, he can do the same thing in each of you. And it may look a little different. You might not be standing up here, but it may look a little different in your life because we have different anointings. But I'm here to tell you something so significant and so important. Somebody's eternity hangs in the balance of how you are processing your pain and using it for his glory. Amen. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. It says shortly after that, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. I learned something. You know, I've been, I've been looking at people for a long time. 
And I notice how people respond to situations. And when something bad happens, I noticed it's about 50-50. Half, half of people will run away from God. They'll blame God, they'll question God, they'll doubt God, and they'll run away. And if that's true, then that means half of us. And I don't want us to represent any of that. But the other half will run to God. Now, I don't know what differentiates them. I don't know what they're built of and made of. But it reminds me of the story of the bison and the cow and the storm. I know it sounds like I'm about to tell a joke, but I'm not. But I do have a really cool picture of a bison. Let's look at it. Isn't that awesome? I want to like have that tattooed somewhere or something. Bison. You know, in run through, I nicknamed him Joe. Joe Bison. <laughs> All right, sorry. Amen. I got, just got one more for you, just one more. What did the buffalo say to his child as he was leaving for work? Bye, bye son. Bye, son. Okay. All right. But this is real. This is real in nature that, that bison and cows are related. You know, they're, they're similar. And oftentimes they'll congregate in similar fields and similar areas. And when a storm comes on the horizon, they will react vastly different ways. The cows will run away from the storm. And see, what this does is this does several things. It separates them. It exhausts them. It takes them to places that they're not used to. It injures them. And guess what? No cow in the history of the world has ever outrun a storm. So the storm still hits them. And now they're separated and now they're tired, and now they're wounded if not dead, and the storm still hits them. But the bison, how they react is they put their heads down and they charge into the storm, just like that picture, full steam ahead into the storm. They bear the full brunt of it. It is happening equally around them, but then they're out. And now they have passed through the storm and everybody else is still affected behind them. I want to be like the bison. Because in that story, everybody is experiencing the storm. Everybody. But some reacted by moving forward, and some reacted by running away. And I want to keep pressing forward, because I believe we have the greatest hope. I believe we have a Lord and Savior who loves us, who died for us. I believe I have peace that surpasses all understanding. I believe that I have peace that he gave me, that even when I go through tribulation, if I go through hell and keep on going, what I'm going to find is that his love never gave up on me. What I'm going to find is a laundry list of things that I can thank him for bringing me through because the reward for my previous battle is just going into my next battle. But at least I know who's got the weapons. That's, see, that's, that's good. I told you. I told you earlier. I've lost my page. I've told so many bison jokes. Okay. In some of these moments, we ask hard questions, and, and I'm, I referenced this earlier, but we ask God oftentimes, why? Right? Like when I look at the news about Israel, and I see 40 decapitated babies, it's easy to ask why. And I just, I just want to encourage you. I don't think that that's a great question. I, I don't think it's a great question, not because God is scared of answering you, not because I want you to resist going to God with all your problems. I just want us to shift our gears to a little bit better 
questions. Because even if God spoke and told you exactly why, the scripture says that his ways are not ours. His thoughts are not mine. And you know what? I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful that God doesn't love like I love because I love very minimally. I'm glad that God doesn't forgive like I forgive. I'm glad God doesn't have the temper that I have. I'm glad God doesn't have the peace and the mercy and the grace and the joy and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit that, that sometimes I have, but sometimes I don't. And in my weakness, I can still turn to him because he's so much greater. But even if he told me the answers, even if he told me everything, I, I, would, I wouldn't understand. And instead of me trying to survivor God, and this is what I mean by this, Anybody watch the show Survivor? I love Survivor. I've watched it for 23 years, ever since I was in the sixth grade. It's my favorite show. My second favorite show is The Price is Right. I love it too. Y'all are like, I hadn't watched The Price is Right since I had pneumonia or whatever when you missed school. But Henry, my son, he's two years old. He loves The Price is Right as well. The other morning I got him out of bed. He kissed me on the face. He said, Daddy, go downstairs, watch Price is Right. <laughs> That's what he wanted to do. That was the first thing on his mind. He'll oftentimes, he'll just shout out, one dollar, one dollar. He doesn't know what that means, but I will remind him when he's asking for allowance one day, I'm gonna be like, one dollar, one, one dollar. But in Survivor, the tagline is outwit, outplay, outlast. And sometimes I think when we ask these questions to God, we're not ready for the answer, and we often don't even want the answer. What we want to do is we want to, well, maybe I can trick him a little bit. Maybe I can catch him up a little bit on why this is happening and what's going on, and maybe I can outsmart him, maybe bend his will to, to my authority, to my will. And I want to encourage you in those moments where you want to ask why, maybe a better question is what. What are you doing in this, God? I don't know why I lost my husband, but I'm asking you, God, what are you doing in this? And maybe, 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 maybe just the best question to ask is who? Who are you growing me to be through this? And who is going to receive Jesus because of this situation? Amen. That's a good place to praise God. Now, I've got 12 minutes left, and I want to share very, very briefly a story about Nehemiah. This is the second way I want to honor my pastor, because he's preached some incredible messages on Nehemiah and rebuilding our world. And maybe some of you, you know about Nehemiah, but I just want to give you a real quick recap. The Israelites have been for 70 years in exile in Babylon, away from Jerusalem, away from their homeland. And we finally see in three men, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, that God is working in them to return home. And Nehemiah's role in all of this is he wants to unite the people and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Let's look at this uh, scripture right here, Nehemiah 2.17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Now, when I think about this passage, I see Nehemiah as this strong leader. 
It reminded me this week of Braveheart, you know, where Mel Gibson's face is all painted and he's rallying the troops and he's like, freedom. And I was thinking about Nehemiah and he's rallying the people and he's like, walls. But either way, it worked because they wanted to gather together and make something happen. And what we'd like to think happens in this story is that he followed the dream of his heart to go back home. He reunited the people. He gave them a great brave heart speech. Now they're going to do the work. But what immediately happens is hard. What immediately happens is opposition. You see, we meet three characters that come in to distract and to deter the dream that God put in his heart. Let's read on. But when Samballot the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite ser servant, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they jeered at us, and they despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? You see, we see Nehemiah here trying to step out and do something for God and immediately being hit re with resistance. Now, Nehemiah is just a man like us. He's not Jesus. He has some characteristics of Jesus. We see that through the Old Testament in leaders that God chose to work through. They had qualities of Christ, but they were imperfect in how they reacted and responded. But we even see this with our Lord and Savior. There's a beautiful scene where he gets baptized, and God is so happy that he speaks audibly and says, I'm proud of you. This is my son. The Holy Spirit descends, and Jesus is there. You see the Godhead all in the same place at the same time. A beautiful image. But what does Jesus do next? We'd like to think he got up out of the water and he flew away like Superman or something and he saved the world. But no, what he did next was he got up and he immediately went into the wilderness to be tested. So Nehemiah is trying to do a good work for the Lord and he faces opposition. But I love how he responds. In Nehemiah 2.20, he says this, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And when we, his servants, will arise and build, and you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. He faces opposition. He fights back. But how many of us know that it's not just ever one opposition? They come like waves. One battle after another. I've done one hard thing. I've survived one attack. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, here comes another. But we can keep seeing his response. In Nehemiah chapter 4, when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry. He was greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and in the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Now, all these are like ancient taunts. They kind of seem lame to us, but like, if you're Nehemiah at this time, this feels like you're about to fight <laughs> these words. And he goes on to say, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? And then Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he pipes in. He says, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes on it, he's going to break the wall. It's taunting and taunting and taunting and discouraging Nehemiah. And watch his response now. He stops and he prays instantly. And he says, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Now that's a really strong prayer. 
Like I told you that Nehemiah might have some characteristics of Jesus, but he's not Jesus. Jesus would teach us to pray for our enemies. He would teach us to love our enemies. He would teach us to forgive and turn the other cheek. But Nehemiah, he does teach us something valuable. Because even though his words are a little angry, and even though he's basically saying, God, they despise me, so curse them. Maybe that's not the prayer we need to say, but when we're in a moment of great heartache and pain, he at least turned to God. And I want to encourage you, you do not have to wait for all the right prayers and all the right words, and you need to feel so holy, and you need to say all the right things. Sometimes when life is really coming at you and the waves are really blowing over you, you just need to stop and you just need to say, God, curse him. I don't know, but you just need to cry out to him because I promise you he already knows your heart. He just wants to hear it come out of your chest. He just wants to hear from you. And finally, a third wave of opposition hits in Nehemiah 6. Now when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had finally built the wall, that there were no breaches left in it, although I hadn't set up the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me a letter that said, come and meet us together at Hakalugi. I don't know, Haka something, in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. I think God is so funny. Somebody's asking you to come out to a field to hurt you. And it just so happens to be in the field of, oh no. <laughs> No, thank you. I might not be able to pronounce Hakalugi, but I can say, oh no, to that. But in the plane of, oh no, there's resistance that comes. There's an enemy out there that would seek to discourage and to deter and to distract and to devour us. I want to end with my last few minutes with you. If you're a note taker, it's amazing. I got three valuable keys that I think are going to help you to do hard things. Here's three ways you can do hard things. Number one, I want you this morning to expect difficulty and recognize where it comes from. You see, the moment that you step out, resistance is gonna come. You want to honor God. You want to do marriage the right way. You wanna finally speak to somebody that's gonna help you. You want to honor God with your bodies, in your relationships. You want to uh, start a business or go to church or serve or tithe. You wanna do anything for God. And I promise you though, resistance is going to hit you just like we see in these stories immediately. Because if the devil can stop the dream, at the, if he can abort it instantly and never see what it would grow into and become, then he thinks he's won. Now, I don't know if the devil really thinks that he's gonna win every battle, if he's gonna win the ultimate war, maybe he does, but I believe the devil is pretty confident that he can win battles in your life because we let him sometimes. But we have to expect, this is a Pastor Kirk thought right here, that there is a battle at the gate of every new season or level of life. When you try to do anything, like if I were to sit here, I don't have a lot of resistance right now. Everything's good and fine. Bring me a water, we're good. If I were to decide to do a push-up, which I've got a microphone, so I can't, sorry. But 
If I were to decide to do a push-up, then immediately I'd be hit with resistance. Immediately it would be hard. But you know what? That resistance is actually a good thing because even though it's momentarily hard, it's building something in me. I may not see it in five minutes. I may not see it in five months. But eventually, if I push against that resistance enough and I stay faithful to what God has called me to do enough, eventually what I'm going to see is what wasn't present when I was laying at rest is really present now. I'm stronger. I handle hard things better. I believe in my spirit that I can do hard things amen amen i want to take you now to point number two ignore the lies of the enemy and pray through the pain you see the sand ballots and tobias and geshems they're going to be present in your life and maybe that's demonic attack and maybe that's distraction maybe that's difficult self-talk and things that you need to work on but either way voices of resistance and opposition and hard are going to be in your life they're going to present you with two major lies from the enemy the lie of doubt they're going to make you doubt your call they're going to make you doubt did God really say wasn't that the thing the serpent did in the garden was he said but did God really say See, the enemy wants you to doubt every part of your existence, your gifts, your calling, your family, your God. He wants you to doubt it all. But just as we saw with Nehemiah, as those voices came, he would stand back and say, oh God, hear my prayer right now. God, strengthen my hands for the good work. There's also going to be a lie that hits you, and it's the lie of discouragement. It's going to be like little Tobiah, and if a fox would climb on the wall, it's going to fall down. There's going to be discouraging things about every dream in your heart and everything that you feel like God wants you to do and is asking you to do. But I'm telling you, we've got a good Father that we can come to in prayer. And just like I was encouraging you moments ago, they don't always have to be the right words. You know, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be Jesus. But bring to Him your pain. Bring to Him your doubt. Bring to Him your discouragement and see what God will do. And last, amen. But certainly not least, I know I've taken you on a journey and I know that there are things to process. And you might be tired because I've combated you with suffering. <laughs> like That's what it's felt like. But the third point is embrace your pain and leverage it for your good. There's something that's so inspiring about people who are able to embrace pain. My pastors, I watched my pastor go through a season of cancer and it didn't kill her or destroy her. It made her stronger. I've seen my wife go through, through seasons of health issues. I've seen my parents go through. I've seen so many of you walk through journeys and battles. And I'm inspired by how you responded to the pain and you persevered. But recently I learned about a new hero. His name is James Lawrence. Here's a picture of him. And he is called the Iron Cowboy. And what James Lawrence did was he did 50 consecutive Ironmans in 50 days in 50 different states. By his third Ironman, he had no toenails. So he had 47 left to do with no toenails. There's movies about him and books written about him. Recently, he's done 100 consecutive. So he actually made that harder. But James said this. He said, in life, I've learned that you have to intentionally put yourself in places that are uncomfortable because that's when the best of you is going to come out. 
He also said, at a certain point, you're exhausted, but you wake up and your body says, oh, well, I guess we're doing an Ironman today. We never push ourselves to that limit. We resist that. But I'm asking you today, what if could you embrace your pain? What if could you say, oh, well, I guess I'm going to wake up and kick Satan in the teeth today. Oh, well, I guess I'm just going to keep persevering. I'm going to embrace what is happening to me, and I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep reading my Bible even when I have questions. I'm going to keep thanking God even when what I see around me is painful right now. I'm going to keep pushing on. I'm going to keep persevering. You know, sometimes you're intentionally placed in a hard place. But I want to encourage you that what the enemy means to destroy, God means to develop in you. What the enemy meant for evil, God can turn for good. And the best part of that message is it's to save the lives of many people. Just recently, I've been on my own journey of embracing pain. I wanted to share with you just a little bit about it and I'm gonna close. But earlier this year, I weighed 240 pounds. It was the most I'd ever weighed. I was pretty discouraged, pretty lethargic. Loved my church, loved my family, but pretty uncertain about what the future had for me. I had a son that I was out of breath picking up and I just knew that something had to change. I had a hundred voice memos on my phone of songs that I'd only written half of. And I knew we finally needed to write a song. I knew I finally needed to change my body. I knew I, I finally needed to develop. And I've tried diet plans that were not cheap. I've tried diet plans, eat, eat five things and, blah, 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 and look at a bottle of water and you're gonna be skinny. What, I, I tried it all, but I, I stepped into something called 75 hard and it was hard. I drank a gallon of water a day. I did two workouts a day. One has to be outside. I read, I developed myself. Sometimes I was sick. Sometimes I was exhausted. Sometimes it was two o'clock in the morning, but I had to finish my day. And I'm not saying this to glorify me, but at some point I had to look hard in the face and I had to say, you know what? I'm gonna try to do you because something's gotta give in my own heart. I wanna be around for my wife. I wanna be around for my son. I wanna be happy in my job. I want us to write songs that go out to church. I want us to do hard things. Well, I've lost 40 pounds since June. Come on, somebody. Cam Newton, baby. Cam. And I don't say that to glorify myself. I've dealt with weight my whole life. I'm 35 years old. I've dealt with issues my whole life. I've dealt with addictions and struggles my whole life, but something got to click. And I hope it clicks in you today. And it's not through my words and my strength and my power. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your right direction is way more important than your perfection. So begin taking it today. I'll leave you with this in Nehemiah 6, 3 and 4. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They tried four more times in that way and he answered them the same. Folks, I'm here to tell you that you are doing a great work. God is up to something in you. There will be oppositions. This is not a Christian TED talk. Some of you are suffering with things that I couldn't even remotely process, but I'm telling you there's a way through the pain. Can we today be more like the bison than the cow? Can we take one more step forward in the right direction with the Lord?
as the leader of our life. I want to pray with you today. Some of you, you might feel very encouraged by this, but you still don't really even know this Jesus. You've had some emotional dances with him, but you haven't really yet made him Lord of your life. You haven't really yet surrendered your will to his. In just a moment, I want to ask you to raise your hand to accept him as your Lord. Now, this is a momentary decision and it's a lifetime of sanctification, but it's worth it. We don't raise our hands to signify anything else other than pray with me, walk with me, journey with me. I need help. This is not a sign to say that I am just this evil villain, but it is a sign to say, God, here's my life. Be my Lord. So if that's you this morning, if you would like to finally, securely make Jesus the Lord of your life through every season, I want to ask you right now, would you lift your hand? I see hands lifted. I see hands lifted all over the room. I also want to ask you, maybe you've been going through seasons of pain. Maybe you haven't processed them well and you don't know how you're going to make it to tomorrow. I just want to ask you, would you surrender? Would you give that pain to God? Would you trust Him? Would you know where it comes from? Would you embrace it and leverage it? for the good, not just of your life, but to save the lives of many. If that's you and you say, Pastor Justin, I want to make a recommitment to handle hard better this morning. Would you lift your hand? If you want to make a recommitment in your spirit, you're going to do hard things. Amen. Hands all over the place. Would you all pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I've messed up, but I come to the cross and I give you my pain because you laid down your life for my forgiveness. Help me become the person you created me to be. Come on, in Jesus' name, let's all say amen this morning.